You ever listen to a podcast and you can just tell that during the introduction, the host has the most forced smile on their face. They are trying so hard to sound excited and full of joy that, and you just, you hear how forced the smile is by the way that they're talking. Hey everybody. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, it hurts to talk like this. Wow, I'm just so excited for y'all to join us today for another episode of the podcast. We're just having so much fun here at the podcast, and I this is real excitement. I can't do that, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to waste too much of your time during this episode, we got a lot of stuff going on. I'm very excited. This is the Taylor Johnson podcast. I am Taylor Johnson and we got big things to talk about. So we need to call my friend Glendon. Let's give him a call. You ready to run the Disney marathon? Oh, Wow. I mean, not today. No, yeah. I'm, well, the answer for, with that would be no, I'm not ready today. So I ran the Disney Marathon this year in this January, and um, I did not do a very good job. I felt like I was going to die. A couple of miles in, I realized, oh, no, what have I done? I have not trained properly or like just the mental side. The mental side destroyed me because I had trained. I had trained for a little while. And I thought I was going to be able to do good, and I did not. And I put the whole thing on my Instagram story, and I talked about how it did not go the way I wanted it to, and I wanted to try again, and I needed to run a second time because I feel like I learned a lot from my first experience. And I said, hey, if I run it again, would, would anyone want to come run it with me? Because I ran for a charity. I raised money for a suicide prevention charity. I raised $1,000, which was very cool. And I said, That's hey, if, if other people wanted to run with me, we could all run for the same charity, raise money together. And I had a couple of different people reach out and say, yes, I would run that with you. And so now we're getting closer. I mean, we're, we're like, it's still a long ways off, but it's starting to get to the point where people should probably start to think about if they would actually do this or not. And so I wanted to bring it up to you. All right. Well, so here's my thought. Like when you told me you were going to run, I really wished that I could have been there. Like I wished I could have like seen you cross the finish line and all that stuff, encourage you and blah, blah, blah. So like, I guess in my mind, whenever you mentioned that, I was like, man, I would really like to be there and cheer you on again but I don't know. I, I don't. I couldn't do. I couldn't do a full marathon if I Why not? committed. I am not in the shape. I'm not in the shape to run a half at this point. At this point, but you have been losing weight. I have. You've been. You've been staying strong with that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I would. I would need to lose. I would probably need to lose another twenty pounds. Before I could do it, because I've done it at this weight before, and it's a half marathon, miserable half, half, half. So yeah. that's the other thing. Uh, during the weekend of the Disney marathon, the Disney full marathon is on Sunday. The day before is a half marathon, 
And then I think there's like a 10K and a 5K. So like there's a race every single day. So I also put it out there. Hey, what if we got a big group of people together? Some people wanted to run the full marathon. Some mm -hmm. people wanted to run the half marathon. And that way, uh, whatever day you're not running, you could go cheer on the other people who are running that day. And like, we're all raising money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And like, we're all one big, wonderful team. Some people who know each other really well. My mom is gonna run the half marathon. My oh, sister she is? is gonna run. Yeah, my mom and my sister. That's crazy, man. That's great. So, like, what if you? It be, what if it was like Team Taylor Johnson podcast, and like people who are on the podcast, and just fans of the podcast, people listening right now, could decide I want to run that, and they could come be a part of it too. I think they should. I I don't want a big crowd cheering me on, though. It would make me too. <laughs> Why? It would make me too nervous. Like, oh, here he comes. Oh, wait, he's <laughs> running really slow. He's still coming. He's not here yet. Uh, like at the Disney Marathon this last time, there were all sorts of people of all sorts of ages, shapes, and sizes, and types. Mm -hmm. There was a 72-year-old man who had a sign on his back that said, I'm 72 years old, and I have run 27 marathons. Jerk. What a show-off. Uh, there was also a man um, who was dressed as a chef and he had a puppet of Remy the rat and he was holding the oh. puppet up the entire marathon. And he had, I can't remember this website. I, I'll, I'll tell you what it is at the end of the episode because I can't remember what it is right now, but it's like runnerwithapuppet.com. And it turns out this is his hobby is that he runs Disney marathons wearing a costume and holding a puppet up the entire time. <laughs> Oh my That's his thing. <laughs> and That's the best part is... Ridiculous. No, I there's was, no best part. <laughs> there's no best part to that. That's crazy, bro. Uh, I was behind him for a while, and I saw him... His family was on the sidelines at one point, and they were there to cheer him on, his wife and his two sons, and all three of them had a puppet. Get out. And when he got up to them, they hugged and their puppets hugged. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, I started training at the beginning of October. And if I can do it, any I feel like anyone can do it. I, I'll say this too. If I can do it, and I have, I've done five half marathons. Anybody can do it. Even if you're out of shape and overweight. You, you wow. can do it. Like, it's possible. Like, if you find a good training routine and you just start, you're, that's what I love about it is it's incredible to me how powerful, like, your body is and you're just, I mean, like, getting your second wind or breaking through the wall and, like, running. It's, it's amazing to me. I mean, it, re it really is. You learn a lot about yourself and what you're you capable of doing. You do. And like you learn what your inner voice sounds like. <laughs> All of them, not just one, but you have multiple inner voices, you know, the quitter, the encourager, you know, the the hype man, like it's it's insane. It's a it's a very unique experience. 
And we would all like some a lot of people I'm sure feel like, oh, I don't know. I who would I run with? Who would I run this? Like we're we're all we're all gonna do it together. Yeah. If you want to do the half, you do the half. You want to do the full, we do the full. And we could even like I could organize as far as like um, you know, hey, let's all go. Cause I mean, when I went in January, I ran on Sunday. On Monday, I literally laid down the entire day. Uh, and then Tuesday and Wednesday, I went to the parks and I had a great time. And we could all go to the parks together. Yeah, I like this idea. Um, do you so do like, you have do you have a place where people could sign up or even express interest? Okay, uh, how about uh, if you go to taylorjohnsononline.com slash Disney Run 21 and uh, put in your name, your email address, you will sign up for uh, updates on um, information about running the race. And uh, we could start to see how many people are actually interested. Because I'll tell you, I had quite a few people respond in January when I first mentioned it who were like, yeah, I would totally do it. Yeah, oh man, that sounds great. Let's see who's really into it. Let's see wow. who'd really do this. But I mean, yeah, um, we'd be raising money for a good cause. Um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, we would be running a marathon at Disney World or a half marathon. Um, you can meet my mom, which uh, apparently people want to do that a lot more than they want to meet me. Cause, Heck uh, yeah. Everyone had so many more compliments for how great my mom was on the podcast than, than how great I was. Which Hi, Gina. How are you doing? This is Glendon. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, hey. she's listening. Yeah. She's always listening. Uh, <laughs> She's always <laughs> listening. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Go to that on the website, taylorjohnsononline.com slash Run 21 And uh, if you are interested in this, you can sign up. We'll give more updates as we go. We'll see if we can convince, you know, you, Glendon, to fully commit to half or full. doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm more excited about this now then when you first just blindsided me with this, I felt like I had to commit right then. But no, I, I'm i more excited about this now, and it even kind of gives me some purpose. Hey, and not only that, but all of us have a little downtime. <laughs> yeah, you, so, you don't I mean, have anything else going on right now. No, so like just go outside, pop a run. All right, Glendon. Well, um, I will talk to you later. All right, man. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye. How cool would that be if we really got like a large group of people? um, We all went down to Florida together. We, you know, if you're running the marathon, you go and you cheer on everybody who's doing the half. And if you're doing the half, you go and you cheer on everybody doing the full we're all connected because of this podcast somehow, whether it's people who've been on the podcast and people who listen to the podcast, and we're all raising money for the same charity, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That was definitely the coolest part of the entire thing. I got to wear a jersey that the Suicide Prevention Foundation sent me uh, on the day of the race, and on the back, there was it said, I'm here for, and then there was a blank. And you could put in the name of someone whose life might be affected by suicide and 
you could say that you're running for that person. And I wrote uh, myself. I wrote literally the word myself. And what was funny is a lot of people saw that and they didn't know what the whole jersey was for. They didn't realize it was for a suicide prevention charity. So they thought it was a joke that I was saying like, I'm here for me. And so I actually, before the race started, a woman was next to me and she nudged me and was like, that's hilarious. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I didn't want to like correct her. I felt bad. And I just kind of turned back around. And then like two minutes later, she nudged me again. And she was like, I, I hadn't read the whole thing. That That's really cool. That's, that's, that's really cool. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then throughout the race, there were several times that someone would pass me because I was like dying. But as they would pass me, they would read the back and they would just tap me on the shoulder. And one lady said, hey, um, I'm really glad you're here too. Or, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're running for yourself. And I don't know, that, that, those just made me really emotional. It was very cool. And we could all run because I'm sure we all know people who have um, been affected by suicide and it's definitely a topic we need to talk more about. And actually, it is a topic uh, that we're going to be talking about in today's episode. This week's episode deals with a suicide and how we grieve a suicide and how we can help others to grieve it also. This week, I'm talking to my friends, David and Alyssa Gomez. I met both of them in college. They were both at Bible college with me where they were studying to go into the ministry, which they quickly did right after graduating and getting married. But shortly after going to their first church, a real bummer of a situation happened that caused them to leave ministry unexpectedly and both getting hurt and not really wanting to go back into ministry until an opportunity presented itself for them to move to Venezuela for two years to work at a school in a ministry capacity. And while they were there in Venezuela, a lot of crazy things happened. A lot of heavy situations that they were able to help students with. And I wanted to talk to them about that. So it's going to be a little bit heavy. I'm just going to warn you. But David and Alyssa are great at talking about this kind of stuff and also being able to relieve the tension with a few funny moments. David tells a story about what he used to do in junior high and high school to help him fall asleep. That is very bizarre. But this is my conversation with David and Alyssa Gomez. Why'd you guys move to Venezuela? We didn't have anything to do. Alyssa had gotten laid off of her job. We didn't know what to do. And we were like, what should we do? And then our friend that was in Bolivia at the time was like, come to Bolivia. And we were like, okay. So we applied and they were like, you're going to Bolivia. And we were like, all right, cool. And then two weeks before we left, they were like, psych, you got to go to Venezuela. And we were like, okay. Wait, it was that fast? Like yeah. two weeks before? Yeah. Did you know anything about Venezuela? Like, I mean. Well, I, literally right after they told us I started doing all this research and I was like, oh yeah, we're going there. Why Why did it excite you? Just because I saw like the, the like political unrest and how crazy it was. Like the idea of living in a socialist government. I was like. This sounds like a totally different world. 
I'm down. Like this is going to be unlike anything else we can experience anywhere else. Yeah. And what about, how did you feel? I mean, we moved there just literally because of the thought of like, why not? Like we had nothing tying us back to anything. And did you know, like, what were you committing to be doing while you were in Venezuela? What did you know about the jobs that you guys were going into? Nothing. We We didn't even. We were going to be teachers. But but that's it. It could be anything from kindergarten to. Yeah. So wait, what type of school was it? It was Like, like a Christian, like the students that were there weren't necessarily Christian, but the schools were Christian. So it was like a Christian International school. school. Yeah. So it was, we lived in Venezuela, but we taught foreign students. So it was a lot of like um, Chinese businessmen. Ambassadors kids. You taught Chinese businessmen? Yeah. We were like, hey, don't do business like this. Do like this. <laughs> Welcome to my fifth grade class, so businessman. most of our school was Korean and Chinese. Chinese. And then, of course, there's a lot of Venezuelans too that went. Yeah. And what did you, Alyssa, what did you end up teaching? I ended up teaching, I was like the business teacher, which entailed like business classes, high school business classes. But then I also ended up teaching like middle school algebra and one year or yeah, one semester I randomly taught like American history. X. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, David? What did you teach? Sex ed. (laughs) They didn't even ask you. <laughs> you <laughs> just, just taught it. Like, welcome to algebra. Guess what, losers? <laughs> I taught PE. You taught PE? Yeah. It's just basically a glorified dodgeball class. <laughs> and by that, he means they literally played dodgeball 90% of the time. Really? I, I would try to, like, not do that, like, because I knew that I was going to get checked on. And I'd tell the kids, like, all right, you guys can play whatever you want. What do you want to play? And they literally always go, dodgeball. <laughs> I was like, dang it. Like, someone's going to come check out my class. They're going to be like, why are you always playing dodgeball? But, yeah. And I mean, then didn't you, when did you eventually start? Did you, like, take over? Were, were there, there were, like, chapels? Yeah. Well, that was kind of what they hired us or brought us in for because we had, like, b- both of us had ministry training and we had a bachelor's degree. So there wasn't like a, at least in South America, a high standard for like, you have to have a teaching degree as long as you had like a bachelor's degree. And they did have these chapels. That was like what kind of made it Christian. Like every week there was, I mean, every day there was like prayer and stuff. And then once a week for the like secondary students, like middle school and high school, there was a chapel. And like, they saw that I had like ministry background and they were like, oh, like, we want to bring them in as a PE teacher, but to focus on this. And so, like, uh, every week there was, like, a chapel, and we just basically ran it like a youth service. But how did it feel, like, because you had, how long it had it been since you had been a youth pastor? It was, like, two years. So, two years of you kind of outside of ministry. Not and like, wanting to go back into ministry. Exactly, because you were, it was kind of like a, a kind of a crappy yeah. situation that got you out in the uh, first not, place. No good situation. Yeah. No good. No good. I've, I've never really thought about it in those terms. I feel like we talked about that. I think like the idea that it wasn't like quote unquote a church felt different. Like not all the kids were like Christian. You know what I mean? Like it was like to them, the way they kind of pitched it to us was like, this is outreach. Like these kids aren't Christian. They're not coming from Christian homes and they just want people to love on them. And so it wasn't like, I guess, quote unquote, regular ministry in the sense that like these weren't like church kids coming to a youth group 
and you're having to deal with the parents like not love or, or whatever. And so like to me, it I felt different going into it than like, oh, I'm going to do ministry. I was just like, oh, like I know how to hang out with kids, like students. Yeah. Like, so I'll seeing it more as outreach instead of discipleship. Of like sure. kids who are already and like also like you come from Texas, you, you your experience is a lot in the Bible Belt where people yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. assume their salvation just because like they know people who go to church. Yeah. And like being in another country where it's a lot of kids who are just like belong to a Christian school, but not necessarily they would even consider themselves Christian. Like sure. that's definitely a different environment to get to speak to kids. Yeah. And it's a different type of kid that you get to reach. Yeah, I we knew going in that and like it was cool because I felt like the pressure of church wasn't there. And it was like a perfect middle ground to kind of put me back into ministry afterwards. Because I was like, oh, man, this is cool that like sharing the gospel is cool with people. And like I can make a living out of doing that, going back into ministry. And so I think it was a perfect stepping stone to ease me back into it from the crappy situation that we were in. Like, for example, there was this girl that was like Buddhist and she gave her life to Jesus like, it wasn't just our doing, but, like, a community of people loving her and stuff. And she got, like, baptized while we were there. Whoa. And, like, her whole family was Buddhist. And she got baptized. And it was, like, a complete life change for her. And it was really cool to be a part of that process with her. Like, walking th- her through, like, her doubts and her questions. And then seeing her, like, really love Jesus. Uh, as a youth pastor, you spend, like, how many hours a week with a kid? But, like, literally, some like I had the senior class for like six hours every day or something. Oh, wow. Because it would be like double blocked classes, and I would have them for business class and then math class. And then I had them for lunch period and then homeroom. Like, I like. Yeah, I, I think they say that quote at like youth ministry class that it takes like five years for students to like really trust you as a youth pastor. And like, because we saw them all day, every day. We right. gained that trust in like six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a youth pastor is usually only seeing them a yeah. couple of hours a week. But like you are with them so much yeah. every day. And so like, Because the school was so small. Mm-hmm. Because we taught such random things. Like, So like we would sit with them at lunch and they would just be like, talk to us about like, what's your favorite movie? Also, why does God allow this to happen? <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Yeah, that's tell me like. about Flubber. Now tell me about the depravity <laughs> yeah. of man. Yeah. Exactly. And like, why can't we drink? Why can't we? And so, like, we were able to have like all kinds of really cool conversations. So, like, with you them. you were always kind of having these deep and heavy conversations yeah. Yeah, with them throughout this yeah. whole. So, the, so well, there was a factor that happened that we're going to get into. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Did, did did that open the door, or was the door already open for the heavier things? I don't think it was. Okay, so let well, me introduce t- the idea. Okay, because so we were there pretty shortly. I don't think it was three months. It was October. So we were there, yeah, three months, and then one of the students took his life. Wow. High school student. Uh, a high school student. And it's a really small school. Most of these people have been together since kindergarten. And, like, Venezuela was so crazy, and, like, everybody there knows somebody that has left the country because of the situation. And so, like, these students, I don't know, something like, they probably started with, like, 30 kids in their class, and then by the time we got there... There's like eight of them. And, and so like, I mean, talk a little bit about like in the country, like you saw riots. Yes. You, you would go see these in um, the hospital situation. I remember you telling me about that of like, if you're going to have surgery, hey, you need to bring your own gloves. Yeah. Like that was a thing, right? Well, that was a thing in the public. 
uh, healthcare. Okay. So it's like a socialist country. And so like most people go through public and then there's private. Like if you got money that you can go to in the private ones, like they have all those things because there's more money. But even that he had surgery while we were there and we had the ability to pay for like a nice hospital. But afterwards I still had to go to like, 17 pharmacies to try to get yeah. the prescription filled. Like I just had to go here. Oh, you don't have it. Go here. Oh, you don't have it. So there's all this stuff happening. So like people are mm-hmm. leaving and yeah. the school is getting smaller because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you have this student in like, did I, I guess, you know, all the students, right? Yes. So yeah, you know, this student really well. In the high school, I don't think there was more than 12 students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like by the, when we got there, I don't think there was more than 90 students school wide. And then by the time we left, I don't think there was 40 students school-wide. Oh, wow. Over the course of, like, two years. Yeah. So, like, people are leaving. And um, so you're starting to build these relationships with Mm -hmm. students. You're starting off your role as chapel leaders. Mm -hmm. And chapel is every day? Or every school day? once a week. Once a week. And was was it over the weekend? The suicide? So, go ahead and... So, I was in charge of the student leadership team, which basically like got to plan the activities like free dress days and whatever, like fun. Oh, Cause stuff. you had a uniform. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But that's like nationwide kids wear uniforms, but, um, I don't know. So I was in charge of that team. They would plan all the fun stuff. We planned a lock-in, which, which if you're in youth ministry, you don't ever do those. Uh, I was in charge of the leadership team. So you picked a lock-in. No, it was a. Th- there was things that they'd been doing that we just kind of had to do. Was very against it, but we had a lock in. Um, it was like I guess a Friday night, I would assume, where, and we had different teachers who were scheduled to be awake throughout the entire night. So like, this male female teacher has like a five six hour shift, then another one five six hour shift, and so the whole night, uh, teachers were there. And all of middle school and high school spent the night at the school. And we played board games and like it was just a great time. Um, But there was one kid there, the kid that ended up taking his life. He was like really removed and then just like really strange throughout the whole night, like acting very, very particular and not with his like regular friends. Like his friends were kind of like almost shunning him and he was being like weird about it. Um, and then a part of the whole situation living there, like there's just not supplies for stuff. And so our kids had water bottles constantly. Um, and they would come and we would have like drinking fountains and they would always fill up their water. So like very hydrated, very like, uh, just REI, like yoga. Everyone like walks around with their like hydro flask, Mm -hmm. but, uh, like that, that's just everyone at our school always had water bottles. Um, but apparently that entire night he had just been drinking vodka, vodka out of a water bottle. Oh, and And he had been dealing with depression and, uh, just, I guess, suicidal thoughts as well. We didn't really know him that well. Like as soon as we got there, obviously the students weren't very close to us. And, uh, yeah. So he had been dealing with those things that we didn't know. And then that night, was just constantly like we're talking like a 48 ounce bottle just drinking vodka the whole night so the next morning i woke up and 
uh, I was going to like make sure all the kids were awake, like you know it was time to go home, tell the parents we were going to arrive soon. Um, and this someone was like, "Oh, this kid isn't waking up. Like he's being like he's so sleepy. Like he's just not waking up." And so like I went and like he was like out, like unconscious. And um, then I heard someone else like just kind of like whispering like rumors, like students. Someone said he had thrown up. And so I, like, started pulling kids aside, and I was like, I need to know, like, what's going on? Like, what did he take? What happened? Like, did he throw up? Who cleaned it up? Like, what happened? And so anyways, I called the mom, and she actually works at the school. Oh. She was, like, an assistant accountant. Like, she comes to pick him up, and so I'm, like, telling her, like, you need to take him to an emergency room, like, right now, like, right now. And um, different things happened. I don't know. But that is the last time we saw this student was literally carrying him and putting him in his car and telling his parents, like, please go to emergency room right now. When he came to, like, his parents obviously were very upset. And um, he was, like, kind of freaking out and anxious about, like, getting in trouble. Oh. And so, like, the alcohol, the anxiety. He was embarrassed. The embarrassment. The the, the whole school knows now probably yeah. and like him dealing with depression already, and so then they go home that night, and the parents leave to go get dinner or something, and that's when this happens, that he takes his life. And and when do you guys find out, or how how do you guys find out? It kind of I mean it was a small school, people are very close, so it we she knew. the mom worked at the school, so right. like that I think that happened like. Saturday night and most of the teachers live together. And so like in one apartment complex, I not think, like in one yeah. bedroom. <laughs> and so there's like two how big houses where most of the teachers live and we lived in another one. And I think the other house knew that night and then it started coming in that Sunday morning that everybody knew by that point. What does it feel like to hear that news? I feel, I feel like, like that's an impossible question sure. to answer, but like, I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- yeah. I specifically remember that like we had like gone somewhere that Sunday and had like a really great day. Like we yeah. had like done something that was like nice. And then we had like come back. Yeah. And just like kind of got and shook. It was like, Oh, what? Like, cause obviously student leaving your campus drunk, very big deal in like a teacher setting. Um, and then we had like gone away and like had a really great day and come back and we're just like jolted with this information. I also remember the other teachers we were with with them hearing the information, like they were much more visibly and like externally upset than we both were. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I, I think like I went into like reactionary mode in the sense that like, as soon as we found out. We were like, what do we do about the other students? Yeah. Because they were all so close. And so obviously, like, you're like, what the heck? This is crazy. How do you process? How do I process this? I'm not the close to that kid. Wasn't very close to him. I knew him. How do I take care of the other students? So we have to help walk through this. Yeah, I wonder if that's like almost like kind of a blessing that you guys weren't that close to him mm-hmm. yet. I, that I there was like some separation. Sure, like when that moment we were like, I think this is why we came. Wow. Because... Like all the other teachers, like, I don't know that they were, they've been, they're Christians, but they've never been in a ministry capacity. 
to be able to help walk people through heavy things in that manner. And I don't know that I had ever walked with anybody through something this heavy, but I had training and conversations and have been around enough to kind of know what to do, I guess. Where to start, at exactly. least. Exactly. At yeah. least be able to start. Yeah. So yeah. to clarify, we were the least qualified worst possible teachers oh yeah like don't don't hire me <laughs> to be a teacher but i think going back because you would play dodgeball yeah. david and Alyssa, you would show shark tank videos for shark business tank. class we just think shout out to shark tank <laughs> <laughs> that's how you taught business that's i love how you mark business. Cuban. no i feel like business was the only class i business and economics but, okay uh that world history class, man. I don't even know what I said. <laughs> so, like, as teachers, not that yeah, great. But, but no, 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 terrible. <laughs> <laughs> to fill this role, but in, yes, in this yes, role, that specific instance, we were just like, this is why we came. And I mean, even just thinking about like, we both come from, both of us come from pastors' homes. Both of us went to a Bible college. Both of us have years of experience at like working in churches. And so immediately upon hearing this news, we react very differently. We, we yeah. walk into the next door very differently than every other teacher who yeah, is what, just. What does the rest of your Sunday look like? Like, are you start, like, are you planning, like, what? Are teachers talking about, like, what are we doing tomorrow? Yeah. Like, what is school going to look like? I, like, I remember we came back to our apartment and you called a friend, yeah, like a started, counselor. We started praying for the students in this situation and the family. And right away, you know Rob, my friend yeah. Rob. I just called him. He had just gone through, a, not suicide, but a student in his youth group just, like, randomly died in his sleep. Like, literally, mm. like... A month before mm. and I was close to that student and I knew th them that family and so they called me to tell me and so like I knew that they were going through that he's a counselor he's a psychologist and so the right away I call him and I go how do I help people process this and so he gave me a few tips like he one of the I biggest mean, things I remember him telling me is like death you can never fully process mm. and the only thing you can do is be patient and be kind and be there. Don't let people be alone. And that's, he was like, that's honestly the biggest thing I can tell you. Like make sure the students don't feel like it's their fault. Don't let them feel that they're alone. And that's it. Like we immediately like went back to our apartment and started doing all these things, which we didn't even know if we would have the freedom yeah, I, to do the next day. I but. like emailed the school principal director and I was like, Hey, like, you know that I'm in, have like a ministry background. I talked to a counseling friend. We should not hold school as regular for these students. Let us like, I'm preparing something. If it's okay, let us do this tomorrow. And right away they gave me the go ahead. Uh, so was it the whole day was kind of like no, no yes. regular school. Yeah. Yes. So like basically what ended up happening is that Monday we took all the secondary students into the chapel we, we had just worship music going. All the teachers, the secondary teachers at least, were in there. And we had just been telling them to be prayed up. Like, we're just going to try to help the students process through this. We're going to give them space for them to talk, for them to ask questions. Or, uh, more than, like, telling them stuff, we want to be there and listen. Are you terrified? Are you scared? 
I don't know. I wasn't. I think. I don't think so. I think like more than like scared or terrified is just like the feeling of like, man, like in high school, like whatever's happening is like, that's it. You know? Like you can't it's the think. the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. yeah and even moment. just like the littlest interactions yes. are life changing. And like the, the, this is going to ruin the rest of my life because I tripped in front of these yeah, people. Exactly. And for and it to so, be something actually so big. heavy. Yeah. Uh, and I think, again, you have to realize the picture of like, this is a class of like foreign foreigners who like are literally from all these different cultures. All their families are different and they've been together since for sure, since like sixth grade, like very close. And not only that, but like slowly over time, people are starting to leave. Yes. But mm-hmm. like they leave in ways that people understand mm-hmm. and not leaving. And then one of the other things, uh, there was only two boys in high school oh. and he was the other one. And so they were like super close. They like were basically called each other brothers because they had been in school since kindergarten. Yeah. And... It was like kind of an ongoing joke because any game that we played in like PE, it always was like the two boys were on opposite teams. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, how do I help this kid process that he's known this guy his whole life and he knew he was drinking, he knew what was going on and like didn't, at least from my understanding, reach out, didn't try to help. And so like, I just felt that weight for him. And so, like, this student was, like, super closed off to me at the beginning. And I was, like... Like, oh, when you first got there or yeah, first like, through when? this process. Like, okay. Or not, not the, like, grieving process, but, like, between us getting there and this happening, like... Especially spiritually. Yeah, like, he very... I mean, he was, like, a senior, very cool guy. Didn't like, need us. Yeah. And, like, I was, like, man, he's got to be hurting. This has got to be hard. And so, like, I just wanted to help him, like... Dude, it's okay. I don't. I know you maybe don't like me or you hate me, but whatever you need, I'm here. And so I remember thinking that for this male student. So you get all the students into the chapel, mm-hmm. and do you address them first? Like, yes. yeah, some of them don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's like a few. I feel like most of them knew, uh, but I would say like. They like let the, so the boy that took his life, uh, has a middle school brother. Oh. And so. Who's at the school. Who's at the school. And so I think some of the middle schoolers didn't know. And so we're thinking about the brother as well. How do we, he's in sixth grade. How do we help him process through this? How do we help the other students help him process through this? Uh, obviously you don't want to hide it. It's such a small school. And so they all come into the chapel and we go, hey, this happened this weekend. The, one of the other students' father was mm-hmm. a pastor. He was very involved and like he'd handled some of it. Yeah, we asked him to come in as well because he had been there. His daughter had been there. They'd been there. And so, yeah, we just like what is like information. When you give that information, like, is it just like dead silent? Are people are like, yeah. is there yeah. like murmurs? I mean, I is feel there- like most... I, I want to say there was like maybe 25 students in the secondary. And so mo- I would say most of them knew. Mm-hmm. We were all sitting in a circle and like half the kids are already crying. Yeah. Like it's already it's super somber. Like 
no one's like ripping some of the kids are like what's going on like everyone's confused and so then you finally break it and it's it's a moment where people are realizing and accepting it more so they're crying harder other people are going like oh now i understand like i think it brought whatever to the room like i don't clarity is the word but yeah. yeah so what do you do the rest of the day so the pastor it kind of just gives the information out and then I like tell the students like a few things basically that that like that the counselor had talked about. Yeah. We like Rob also told me like you can never give definitive answers of oh he went to hell or he went to heaven. We know because we don't know and that's one of the worst things that you can do. And so basically just said like we don't know. We just uh we kn- I know that Jesus is kind and he's compassionate. And if he at some point gave his life to Jesus, his depression was a sickness that that is he because of his sickness was blinded. So that the same way cancer takes somebody through this process. So we don't know. So don't think is he in heaven? Is he in hell? Just know that Jesus is kind and compassionate. Uh, you turned it very much into a look forward kind of conversation like so that don't know don't really think about that think about how kind jesus is you're not alone it's okay to process in any way that you need to and for some of you it's going to be right now very heavy very hard for some of you it's going to come later and we just want you to know that you're here and so we're just going to spend the rest of the day here together and if you need to go walk around we're going to let you walk around we have coloring sheets we're going to play some worship music all of the teachers here are accessible to pray with you, to talk to you. And whatever that looks like, we just want you to know that you're not alone. We're here for you. And we also had set up that during the day, like we were going to let them like play dodgeball as well to get emotions out and to play a game. I mean, they're still kids. Uh, and yeah, that was basically it. And so for the rest of the day, like just kind of like a free open, yeah. whatever you need, we're here. If I remember correctly, we had stations. So like the information was processed. I think we had like worship or something. And then like the kids were free to go wherever in the room and they could like write letters. They could go talk to a teacher. They could do the emotion processing thing. They could literally just sit there and cry, which was what most of them did. Um, And we did that like basically all morning. And then at a certain point we were like, okay, let's like collect ourselves and let's go eat lunch. <laughs> like that's what you're like, gotta eat. And they did that. And then, um, I remember we did like have like, let's be a little active. Let's play a game. Let's be together. Um, was that hard to like get them to do it? No, I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't think we actually mm-hmm. played dodgeball, but we went outside like, like on the, yeah, like we had like the court open and like, Hey, let's you go walk around, hoops, walk let's around. breathe. Like, yeah. Um, and then I think at the end of the day, I mean, honestly, the whole day is really a blur. We could be getting this all wrong, yeah. but don't uh, quote us on this. <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, like after lunch, after we'd been outside, we put on a movie, mm-hmm. like, uh, what is the movie? The emotions movie inside out, inside out, inside out or something. I don't know. But even though we had, I can't remember if we even actually put the movie on or not, but because what I remember 
is the students falling asleep. Really? I mean, I guess grief can be yeah, exhausting. It was, it was so. It was so. Exhausting. It was overwhelming. It was such an exhausting day, like emotionally and people crying. <laughs> On a random side note, asterisk footnote here. Like when I was younger, I would make myself cry so that it would make me go to bed. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because like crying makes you sleepy. So I would just be like, I couldn't How sleep. And it'd be like, I was like in middle school and high school. And high school. <laughs> high school. <laughs> Probably. Whoa. I was just like, dude, I gotta go to bed. I gotta go to school tomorrow. And that then I just sucks. and then I just be like, Man, if I cry, that make me sleep. How do you make yourself cry? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> I would literally do that in bed till I like started crying. <laughs> and then I would like cry for a little bit and then I'd be like, dang, I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> because Wait. it's emotionally taxing to cry. Wait, you're you're you're, the way that you would, make I would just watch cry, Simon Birch. <laughs> <laughs> you would just make the noise until your body's like, oh, I guess we're crying now. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think I don't, I just remember being like, man, if I cry right now, I get sleepy. I should cry. So the kids, the kids, it's like exhausting. So they, they fall asleep that day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, outside of our chapel is where the like younger, younger, like kindergarten where they would have recess. So there was like little tunnels and stuff and like, they literally like fell asleep. Like they laid down in the tunnels and just like went to sleep. And it was like a very peaceful moment of like rest for like us. Cause like we had been caring for this group of students this whole time. And then like they all just went to sleep. One thing that I feel like would be tough, especially with like a small school is that like everyone grieves differently Mm -hmm. and everyone takes a different amount of time to process and grief and grieve. So I'm sure there were some kids who like might be like far on the social circle, like far away from that kid, like not Mm -hmm. really close to them who like that day was great for them. And I'm sure there were other people who it's like, Oh, four months later, there's a a real tough day. And it's like, Oh shoot. Or even like a year later. I don't, I, I don't even know. Like you were there for two years. Did this, like, did you still see the effects of this? Like even I, I towards think the end like, of your, your man, again, like, I don't think we have the time, but like the situation in Venezuela was so crazy. Like I, going to the bank and there's no cash, but you had to wait in a four hour line to get to the bank teller like, to tell you there was no cash. These high school kids don't go outside. Yeah. They just go to school, go home, go to sleep, come back. Like there's no normality there. So there's like traumatic experiences after around every after corner. traumatic experience. And after these traumatic. are all foreigners, which are mostly targeted as like higher income families, and so they're like targeted for robberies. Like most of them have like bodyguards, like driver. Like there was so much on top of this. Yeah, that like it was like. It, like literally in Venezuela, every day is a tra- tragedy. Like I'm talking like middle class families, all of them digging in the trash for food. Like your grandma got cancer and she's going to die because you don't have enough money to pay for medical. But not even cancer. Like uh, yeah, something. Fe- she got a fever and you can't find ibuprofen. Yeah. Like just the craziest stuff after the craziest stuff. And then this happens. Yeah. And so 
like literally, I, I forgot what the question was, but I, I guess like, so in my mind, like I was asking as if this is the most traumatic thing that ha sure. would happen to these students over the two years that you're there with them. When in reality in that country, yeah, it's like there is their normal is different. Oh yeah. Even like a few months later, that same, a few months later, that same like school year, there was like cra crazy riots in the street. Like, like tear gas was like six months straight every day. Protest. Like every day is two a blocks away from the street of like, am I going to be able to get to school? One day we had to like release early and like we couldn't let the kids wait outside of the pickup line because there was just tear gas everywhere. And like, you could even smell it in the school. Like it was just a very different. It, it was crazy, like crazy. And then this happened. Yeah. And so like, it's almost like you're just on survival mode for them. I mean, us too, because we were living there, but obviously not as much. But, and so a lot of them, the processing was like remembering him in little moments. Like, oh shoot, he would have been here with us. Yeah. Like six months later, we're in P class and they all go, oh man, he would have made this joke. Oh man, he would have done this in this moment. Uh, and even like, I even just for the few months that we were there, like would have that. And I would always just tell the students like, man, how much more is it for you guys? Like I only knew him for a few months and for you guys to like constantly have known him and to do those things. So, but yeah, it was like, man, it's such a weird place. Like the whole thing is crazy and I can't believe we were there for that. But, uh, uh the year later we thought was going to be a bigger deal, but I think the students healed so well that it wasn't as much and like the anniversary. Yeah. And then not only that, but they all got so close, even though they were already really close that it was like a beautiful thing a year later to see their growth as the high school students, at least and their maturity and like them coming to Jesus more than us being able to walk in with their, with them in life more like this girl, like that gave her life to Jesus. That was a Buddhist and like the the other boy that was in high school with him, like falling in love with Jesus through this process, and the students like like asking bigger questions and getting closer to us. So so you so you see like th that being being able to be there for them and like kind of prove yourself in a way as like people who can be there with them through the worst of the worst. Sure, open the door for. Really tough questions, doubts, you know, other tragedies that they're experiencing. Yeah. And like, I, do you think like, so you, I mean, you'd spend like a ton of time with them throughout yeah. the day and that leading to them getting like closer together and closer to Christ. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, obviously like I'm not big headed enough to go, oh yeah, we did that, but I'm you also. You changed the whole country. Yeah. Thank you, Venezuela. Uh, but I'm also like not, what is the word like? Naive. Naive enough to know that God doesn't use us, like people, not just my wife and I, but <laughs> to be there for those moments, right? Like I think of moments that people have been there for me in whatever situation and to like be there for anybody at any time. I think that obviously shows like, the faithfulness of Christ to people. 
right? Like whatever it is, whoever it is, like if you are a Christian and you're there for someone through tragedy, through a hard time, that is literally Jesus being with us a million times more that if a human being could do it, how much more could Christ do it? And he uses us to show that. And so I think that was a beautiful moment for all of us because again, I'm hurt from this crappy situation that happened. I don't want to go into ministry. And then this crazy thing happens that's happening on top of all this crazy stuff in this country. And I just go, oh, I'm so undeserving to be able to be Jesus to these students. And yet Jesus lets me do it. And then they trust me to show them Jesus more. Normally, after the interview, I will kind of have an extra segment at the end where I bring on another guest for something more lighthearted, more fun, someone telling a story or something like that. This episode, there is something, but it's not with <laughs> it's not with someone new. So the interview that I recorded with David and Alyssa, we recorded that the night of David's birthday. Uh, we had a big birthday celebration all day long. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Then when most of everybody else had left, it was just a few of us still at David and Alyssa's house, and we recorded the conversation late at night, probably 11 or 12, and we talked for a while about the serious things that we needed to talk about, and then when we were getting ready to turn the recording off, David, because he knew the serious part was over, just got real goofy. And I guess because we were talking about something so serious and because the day was so long and we were all very, very sleepy and it was just, it got real silly. And I just, I want you to hear this. It's very dumb. This is what it's like when I hang out with David. It's mostly just me laughing at the very stupid things that he says. Um, but I just think it's very funny after you hear him like talk about these serious things and hear him talk about like uh, sharing Christ with people and how beautiful that is, which is definitely a side of David. Here is the other side of David, the side that is very passionate about pizza. So please enjoy a completely different David Gomez who is very passionate about pizza. What uh, I want to talk about Pizza Hut for a little bit. Okay. Do you like Pizza Hut? No, not right now. Why not? I just think there's better chains out there. I don't like Pizza Hut either. Pizza. You Hut. know who loves Pizza Hut? Who? My dad. Why? He's always trying to get a Pizza <laughs> Hut hamburger pizza. I don't like hamburger pizza. Give me Ever? sausage. Okay. I mean, I like it all except veggies. Don't put no veggies in my pizza. But I want to talk about Pizza Hut for a little bit. All right. Tell me about it. Okay. I think Pizza Hut was so ahead of its game. It sucks now. Not into it. If you want to send me some free coupons, Pizza Hut, I'll take them. But I'm not doing it right now. Okay. But number one that I've always wanted to talk about, especially now, Pizza Hut was giving out Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 demos when you <laughs> ordered a pizza. You remember that? No. You don't remember that? I remember. Were they also the ones who did DVDs? Because I I got T Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I don't remember that. On a DVD from a pizza place. But I know that if you order this specific pizza, they were sending you 
uh, PlayStation One Tony Hawk One demo, demo with the first level, and you can play it over and over and over. <laughs> It'd be weird and, if you could only play it once, and then the thing explodes. And that was freaking tight. I remember that. And then number two, you ready for my number two? Yeah. Pizza Hut then did, when I was younger, if you read a book, you get a pizza. You get a personal size pan pizza. You remember that? If you read yeah. one book? Yeah. <laughs> they wanted smart, obese kids. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that story. I lived. <laughs> and I'm real smart. This is your testimony? <laughs> this is my testimony. I want you to know you that. You don't that, know my past. That boy. Only the Lord can set me free. <laughs> I want you I'm here to tell you that if you swipe up, you can lose 300 pounds like me. <laughs> okay that's number two can we also just talk about the fact like pizza parlors like that's not even a thing anymore really what's a pizza parlor like the pizza hut had you this- ever been to pizza king no you never been to pizza king uh-uh. dog let's do a podcast on pizza king <laughs> there is pizza king is a pizza parlor <laughs> okay and when you sit in a booth there's a little train no and it brings you your drinks like you order, you yeah. order through intercom and they bring you a drink. And then at your booth, there's like Nintendo 64 controllers drilled on the booth Nuh-uh. and you put a quarter and there's a TV and you can play at your booth, dog. <laughs> this sounds like a, your third grade dream. <laughs> okay. Listen, I don't know if you remember this, but in maybe the early nineties, no, it's probably the late nineties, the AG, what is it called when they do the big thing? The uh, national convention? Youth, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it in uh, Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And I don't know why, but my church took people. Wait, how old the were Katinas you? The Katinas were there. How old were you? <laughs> how old was I? Because uh, they did Indianapolis in 2007. That was in 2000. No, nah, it was way before okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. It was like maybe 1996, 98. Oh, okay. Okay. So we went to Pizza King. And I remember being like, man, this place is freaking tight. <laughs> like, dude, I was like eight and I was real smart because I was reading and real chubby because I was eating <laughs> pizza from Pizza Hut. Okay. And I remember just being like, dog, I want to come back to this later. And I got married and I've been telling my wife about Pizza King. That's all I've been talking about for years is Pizza King. Did you go? When people know me, they go, hey, there goes that Pizza King. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's me. And so years later, we're traveling around the country I before remember. we go to Venezuela. I remember. You went to Indy. And we go to Indianapolis. And guess what happens? And the Lord is faithful. <laughs> he is the Lord yesterday, today, <laughs> forever. He is our pizza king. <laughs> and I get to go. The pizza king and of kings. And there's a little train the pizza that brings me my drink. <laughs> the pizza king of kings. <laughs> The Lord provides. Hey, if he could do it once, he could do it again. He has a seat at the table just for you. I'm a feeble chef. I'm a feeble chef, baby. And I'm getting a pizza. Okay. And Pizza King. King David said, bring him the little train. Pizza King David said, bring him the train. What else happened in this story? That's for the next podcast. Okay. So we got Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive. If you swipe up right now, 20% off Taylor Johnson's Patreon. And then Pizza King is still a thing, and I'm not a liar. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, because it sounds like a it sounds like a great thing. Yeah, it can't be real. It sounds like yeah, your neighbor who's a liar. Is and like, so we drove like two hours out of the way to find Pizza King, and your boy was real. <laughs> Pizza okay. King did going back to Pizza Hut. Yes. Okay. Number one, Tony Hawk. Number two, AR points with pizza. Love AR points. Remember that? We got a testimonial here later. <laughs> and then number three, I already forgot what number three was. <laughs> New York style pizza. Okay. I live in a small island in Texas. <laughs> in Texas? I, the only thing I know in about- In the middle of Texas, there's the an island? The only thing I know about New York pizza is the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> And I'm dreaming of a place that can give me New York style pizza. We need an organ under this. <laughs> and the only thing that can do it <laughs> is a pizza guy that has a hut. And so I get it. I'm probably like 12 years old uh -huh. and I do the New York fold. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm here to testify that the Lord <laughs> is good. I the love, Lord works in mysterious pizza ways. Welcome to a new segment, Pizza <laughs> Testimonies <laughs> with Pastor David. I'm here, guys. Talk to me, baby. Send me $5. I'm going to send you a holy pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> holy pepperoni ministries. Holy pepperoni ministries. I'm not funny. I'm spirit-filled. <laughs> Okay, and then we couldn't have it in our country because it was illegal probably. But I heard in Japan, <laughs> Pizza Hut a few years ago did it to where their Pizza Hut pizza box turned into a movie projector. Oh, yeah, I see, you see that. that. Yeah. That was crazy, man. Pizza Hut doing some crazy things. But I want to know, where's that Pizza Hut now in 2020? Because I'm not seeing anything. Yeah. All right, good night. Hey, if you're really interested at all in the idea of running the Disney Marathon or Half Marathon, you don't even have to be anywhere near ready to make a full commitment. You're just a little bit interested. Make sure you go to taylorjohnsononline.com slash Disney Run 21. That's 21 the numbers. Disney Run and then the number two and the number one. And you can sign up and we'll send some updates and some information to see if maybe you really are interested. I don't know. I don't know. You never know. You might not be a runner at all. Hey, neither was I. But definitely, we have enough time for you to start training. I started October 1st, and I finished. I finished the race on January 16th. So if we were to start now planning, preparing, saving money, figuring this out, then we can be so much further along than I was when I finished the race. So again, Disney Marathon or Half Marathon, if you're interested, taylorjohnsononline.com slash Run 21 Also, if you want to connect with me and Glendon, some other people who've been on the podcast and other people who are listening to the podcast, you can join the Taylor Johnson Podcast Discord server. It exists. It's real. If you use Discord, you know what it is. 
uh, you can go and find our server. I'll tell you about that in a second. If you have no idea what Discord is, um, it started as a platform for people who are wanting to like, you know, you have a community of people that you're playing video games with. That's how it started originally, but now it has morphed into more of a online community server for text and voice, but I'm going to use it mostly for text. It's basically a chat room that I will be hanging out in every single day. There's an app you can get for your phone or you can go on your computer and there's a section for just general talk. There's a section where you can just talk about this week's episode. Uh, maybe there would be some other channels where you could talk about some other things, but it's all in this chat room. Uh, I'll be in there. Glendon will be in there. Um, I'll see if I can convince my mom to one day be in there. Um, but you can come in, join the Discord, and just like, uh, I don't know, just uh, hang out and talk and uh, share funny links and... Um, if you want to do that, you want to join the Discord, you can go to taylorjohnsononline.com slash Discord, and that will redirect you to the invitation to join the Discord server. Again, I'm just going to be in there. I'm going to be hanging out. Just hanging out in there. I mean, we're all at home. We got nothing else to do. We might as well, right? There's nothing else going on. Thank you again to David and Alyssa for being a part of the episode. Thank you also to David for being very silly and talking to us about pizza. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you're subscribed. Rate and review it on iTunes and subscribe in iTunes, even if you don't listen on iTunes. Even if you use Spotify or some other thing, make sure you still subscribe in iTunes. There are a lot of Mormon podcasts out there and we have to defeat some of them. And find one person to share it with. Find one person who you think would enjoy this podcast and share it with them. But that is it. Thank you again to Jordan Combs and Lucky Star for the use of their songs in the episode. That is it. Next week on the podcast, I interview my mom about mental health. So look out for that. Very exciting. And um, all right, I've got more announcements next week, but that can wait. I'll see you on Discord. I'll see you on the internet. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.